Previously on, previously on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. What attracted you to the series and why was it Giles? <laughs> I know it's a supernatural TV show. I know that there's monsters, but there's an underlying element of real life. You know, if it wasn't for Buffy, we wouldn't be doing this. You know, we wouldn't know no. each other. No, um, it's, it's amazing yeah. how this stuff connects people from all over. It is an insatiable fandom. I get a bit excited about certain episodes and I can't stop talking about them, so... <laughs> Hi everyone and welcome to Previously on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Although, technically speaking, just this once, there is no Previously because we are on the very first episode of our Buffy rewatch which is, of course, season one, episode one. Welcome to the Hellmouth. Yes, and it begins with a prologue, which is in a very ominous, adverty voice from the 90s. Um, and this guy is just, I don't know if he sets the scene or if he just sets the scene, mm. if you know what I mean. He's, uh... <laughs> <laughs> the lines are actually spoken twice in the yes. same episode. Uh, I don't know if you spotted that. So um, I have to say that the second delivery was much, much oh, yes. better. Um, but, um, but yeah, it, it really does sets an ominous beginning to the show. It doesn't really explain a huge amount. It just sets it up. And it then just opens on a completely different direction to what I was expecting when I first saw this. Shall I read the prologue out? Yes, go for it. In every generation, there is a chosen one. She alone will stand against the vampires, the demons, and the forces of darkness. She is the slayer. Da, da, da. That was very well done. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I've done it before. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I'm so stuffy, give me a scone. <laughs> So, I mean, what did you think to the first time that you saw this episode, Sarah? Um, well, I always, whenever I watch the first episode of anything, I kind of, I notice a lot that it can be very, it can be very hard to, I mean, obviously it's different if you're just following from the beginning and nothing else has happened yet. But if you're watching retrospectively, it's often the case with pilots where they either over explain things or it's just there's no real hint of, you know, why this show became so great. I mean, I think of uh, the pilot for ER, for example, and I, I watched that a couple of times and I was like, my God, there was there was one line where it was just I think George Clooney said something like, this is no place for a pediatrician. And I just thought that is a terrible line. It's like spelling out <laughs> the fact that this guy is a pediatrician and it's just terrible. So I always think of that example. But with, with Buffy, I just think it's the opposite because it sets everything up, explains everything you need to know, but it's not like someone screaming at you. This is what a vampire is. And this is what a slayer is and talking down to the audience. It just feels natural. It, it and does. I, I like that. Yeah. And it doesn't take ages to get into it either. You just, it's like, this is the situation and we're just, we're just showing it to you. And it doesn't take 
40 minutes to figure out what the hell is going on. It never lingers on anything. I mean, even like when we meet Buffy for the first time, you know, that first scene where she wakes up and you have her mum calling her, you know, Buffy, it's time for your first day at school. And you think that's it. It just tells the audience exactly what you need to know and who this person is. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, you know, we know we know that Buffy the Vampire Slayer is is a vampire slayer already. And, you know, that prologue sets the whole, she's the chosen one. She will fight vampires and demons. Um, and she is the slayer. But we until we hear her mum saying Buffy, we don't actually know who Buffy is. You, know, you really get that in the first intro, you know, the first scene where it's your typical nighttime, it's the high school, sets that ominous, you know, the, the music is really, is actually really good, I think. Um, yeah, you know, it's of the time, and you truly expect that the the guy breaking in through the window, he's going to be the bad guy. Yeah, you do. You just think, yeah, oh, here's well, a vampire right here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and as Buffy would say, look at his outfit. <laughs> it sort of screams predator. And the fact is, then or you know, immediately the tables are turned. You know, and everything that we expected is the opposite with, you know, this very beautiful blonde turning into this horrible, monstrous creature. Mm -hmm. And of course, we don't know who that is yet. But later on in the episode, we we find out that her name is Darla. Yeah. And even then, that's, you know, that's just a, a very quick introduction, you know. So it's such a good episode. I think it sort of really flies through without necessarily uh, deliberately sort of losing anything from that pace. Mm -hmm. And of course, you hear the theme music for the first time. I don't know if you were the same. And we said this when we were watching. They don't make intros like this anymore. No. Where, you know, there's bits of the episodes or of of the season Mm -hmm. and... I don't know if you're the same as me, but I would stop every second <laughs> of the intro just to see what what scenes there were, and you know if I could figure it out. And yeah, um, get any spoilers that way. I mean, even like being able to binge watch it now, I've uh, I've been watching with my sister, and uh, it's just fun at the start of every season to see how different it is and what you can spot just it's it's so good isn't it yeah i still can't see that i can't look at the spiders (laughs) the uh i still have to look away yeah um so funny because it falls on nicholas brendan's name i think it does and and i i just have to look away (laughs) i just can't but i have arachnophobia (laughs) so it's it's not it's yeah not a fan of spiders no really really cannot and then you know that going back to what the music obviously is is the nerve herd of theme did you know, actually, I've got my first little tidbit, that Alison Hannigan, who was cast as Willow, she actually recommended the Nerf Herder Band oh. to Joss Whedon and the production team and, uh, and said that, you know, they should maybe listen to Nerf Herder and here's one of their songs because they, they sent out a like an open invite to bands to mm. do a theme tune for Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And I believe they they were just struggling, I think. They couldn't quite find the, the one that they wanted. And Alison Hannigan 
who knew Josh by this point said, oh, you should try a nerf header. So, yeah, she's actually partly responsible for, for that theme tune. The next scene is obviously the, we don't know this at the time, but it becomes a dream, doesn't it? It's a bit of an, it's a nightmare, isn't it? For, yeah. And it's Buffy and we don't know that to begin with. So I have another tidbit as well. I'm a true geek of season one and two. <laughs> um, so in that dream sequence, again, it's all scenes that are from the show mm-hmm. and from the season. So it's all interchanged and put together and everything. And there's a really weird, like, dancing brass thing. It's like an Indian statuette and a big circular thing. And it actually has sort of, like, pride of place. And I always thought it was really... I actually quite liked it. But everything else is really ominous. It's very, as we know, it's the vampires and and it ends with the master and, and all of that. But this this weird dancing thing. And I always thought, what is that? What is... <laughs> Um, and it's actually in Giles's office in his library. And I always thought it was a really random thing to put in. But it just goes to show how much it's all Buffy's dream because obviously it just must subconsciously be in her. But yeah, and we do, of course, we glance this horrible monster of a vampire. We've already seen a vampire, but the guy at the end is seriously needing some UV rays. <laughs> so we meet Buffy's mum and Buffy, and we see the dynamic between the mother-daughter relationship there. What did you think to that? Um, Yeah, it's a nice contrast as well with the first few minutes where everything's really ominous and frightening, and then it's like, oh, she's just, well, she appears to be just a normal teenage girl. And it's, uh, it's obvious straight away she's being dropped off to a new school and, uh, They've just moved to a new town and we also get a hint of the fact that she was kicked out of her old school, which is interesting. Mm. Um, But yeah, I mean, it looks like it looks like a, a good relationship, but there's seems to be a little bit of a strain there. Things are just things are a little awkward. Uh, it, I guess first day nerves as well. We can all relate to that. Uh, even if you don't go around slaying vampires, but uh... that's it. Well, <laughs> you didn't go to my school. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think with them. Um, I mean, obviously, they really fleshed out Buffy's mum because, of course, they don't even name her in this episode yeah. either. Um, so we do obviously find out Buffy's mum's name, but at this point, she's just she's just a person. Just again, just to give you a little of exposition, move the story along give Buffy a backstory but I just it does actually make me sort of cringe now when you hear her mum saying oh you know be positive and you yeah. make friends right away and you're going to be great have a good time and Buffy's going yep okay you know as you said she's dealing with just normal first day school nerves and then she's like oh honey try not to get kicked out and it's like <laughs> wow how very encouraging it's just so I mean, we've all, yeah. I mean, my mum was very similar, uh, you know, where she'd put one minute, she'd be praising me and then the next minute she'd be telling me, you know, what was wrong. But I mean, now I think there's a lot of people that would just find Buffy's mum not overly helpful. But 
Uh, I think it's very, of the, it's very of the time. And of course, for the story to work, and as the season progresses, Buffy's mum's character had to be conveniently uninterested, you know, for, for her not to be around and for Buffy to be able to do all the things that yeah. she does. So I think there's, you know, there's a bit of a back and forth there where you you have to sort of excuse the character because that's exactly how she was written, you know, to be conveniently out the way. I mean, we're not even 10 minutes in to the episode and we already know who Buffy is. She's the vampire slayer. She's had nightmares. She's dreaming about some weird brass thing in her librarian's office and then some weird vampire already. We know that she's been kicked out. We know that she's nervous, but there's, you know, there's clearly something that, that, that we don't know. It's not the full story. And then we, we see Xander for the first time on his skateboard, which we never see again. No. <laughs> and it soon becomes apparent why. <laughs> yeah, so, um, so Nick, Nicholas Brendan, who plays Xander, he apparently he said to Joss Whedon, because this was his first acting gig, He'd never really done anything before. And, you know, bear in mind, he, he does play like one of the male leads. He apparently said to Joss Whedon, you know, if you want me to do stunts, if you want me to sing, if you want me to dance, if you want me to um, go topless, anything like that, I'll do it. It, it doesn't bother me. I, you know, I'm absolutely easy to, to do anything that you want. And I believe this was his, his one and, uh, I say one and only stunt, but this was his one and only skateboard stunt. I think afterwards they said that is too dangerous. <laughs> Can't have you doing that again. Yeah, so that is the I think the one and only time we see Xander on his skateboard, um, and then we see but, him off um, the skateboard. <laughs> yeah, very quickly. you know, bless him. He he, you know, sort of collides with the with the bollard, <laughs> and um, you know, rather painfully. Mm. I mean, it does genuinely make you go, yeah. oh gosh, because he's completely utterly distracted, blown away by by Buffy, who is walking up into the school. And then we meet sweet little Willow, who needs to help Xander with his math. <laughs> now, this is my first, maybe my first thing. I remember listening to this and I was like, what's math? <laughs> As we call it maths. Yes. Um, Plural. Mathematics. So I remember thinking, have they got a lisp? Or <laughs> 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 Genuinely. So... Because this was like my first American TV show mm. that was set, you know, for, for children and, well, not children, but, you know, like teenagers and stuff. So uh, set around the school. And I, I was definitely confused by that. And then I completely, utterly went with that. I used to call it math at school. And I used to get corrected by my teachers um, because they were all very English. <laughs> do we meet Jesse as well? Yeah, we do. So he, he's introduced as Xander's friend. Um, yeah, very important to the episode, as it turns out. He is. It's, it's interesting, actually, because there's another line that's said twice, which is always classed as a Buffyism, and it's actually Xander who says it first. So there's, there's a scene um, later on when Buffy says it, and that is the scene that everyone remembers. And she goes into the library and she says, so what's the sitch? Uh, it's actually Xander says it first. Mm. And he's asking Jesse about the new girl. Because, of course, they don't know 
that that's Buffy. And he says, so what's the sitch? What do you know about her? And Jesse, of course, has no idea, except that she's a new girl and that she's a hottie. But yeah, so that Buffyism, what's the sitch, mm-hmm. uh, is actually a, technically a Xanderism because we hear it first from him. And then there's Principal Flutie. I love this yeah. guy. Yeah. So it's fair to say that her first, Buffy's first meeting with the principal does not go so well. You burnt down the gym. (laughs) (laughs) And she almost, uh, first of a a couple of times that she does it in the episode, she almost lets slip about vampires. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So there's, as she said, it's it's a very colourful transcript about her previous school, which, you know, this alludes to the film, the infamous Buffy the Vampire Slayer Mm. film. Have you seen this, by the way? I have not. I kind of have, I've resisted it and I've kind of gone back and forth between should I, because I know the reputation it has. I think I'll have to have a look. I really will. It's, yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, this was the important thing with with the show is that you didn't need to see the film. It tells you exactly what you need to know. And, you know, if you had seen the film, it would probably have put you off watching the show. Yeah. But saying that, I mean, there's a really good cast in it. You know, you've got Donald Sutherland playing Buffy's Watcher. He had an idea of how he wanted to play it, which was the complete opposite to, <laughs> to how Joss Whedon had, had written it. Um, Christy Swanson plays Buffy. And then there's also Luke Perry and Rutger Hayer, who I think is an amazing actor. I mean, Hilary Swank is in it. It's worth watching. I mean, it's, it, it doesn't resemble the Buffy TV show, nor should it. But I, it's nice how they sort of, they just mention she burnt down the gym. You don't need to know the, the backstory. You already know that it's going to be involved with vampires. And then obviously, as you say, Buffy's slip to Principal Flutie sort of confirms that it was vampires. And so uh, it's, it's enough for us to know that it actually probably wasn't her fault. She's not the the complete utter renegade that her mother thinks she is. No. And as as we kind of find out over the course of the episode, she really would just like to have a normal school life and get on with things. Yeah. You, you know, you've got her. She wants to just move on. She just wants to she doesn't want anyone to talk about her. And of course, everyone wants to know about her at this point as well. So you can really feel mm-hmm. that, you know, she's she's like, oh, great. OK. Um, she just wants to keep her head down. And uh, so, of course, you know, she's rubbaging in her bag after leaving Principal Flutie's office and someone bumps into her. It's not the most natural scene, <laughs> to be honest. No. Uh, and then, of course, she spills all of its all the bag's contents. And Xander, bless him, meets Buffy for the first time, introduces himself, gets his words mixed up. Can I have you? <laughs> I mean, well, great okay. introduction. Bless him, but but you know, Buffy's hair is amazing. Buffy's outfit mm-hmm. is amazing. We can sort of forgive him for for being completely blown away by her. We then start to see Buffy's life unraveling a little. She heads off to class and she leaves a wooden stake behind mm-hmm. as you do as you do you know as if if you're a it happens to the slayer, best of us it yeah. does yeah and 
yes, Xander, in his helpfulness, <laughs> picks it up. <laughs> because um, why wouldn't you? Well, this is it. You know, he's trying to impress. So, I mean, we're still within like 10 minutes of the beginning of the of the show. We've met Buffy, Xander, Willow, Jesse, Buffy's mum, Principal Flutie. So we know, you know, these are all people that we know that we're, we're going to see in a bit. You know, we've all also seen um, the guy who gets attacked by the vampire. Yeah. There's a lovely uh, little callback as well, which it places Xander in the library later on. But he actually, when he asks Willow for help, she's like, oh, you need to get some books out. And that sort of triggers him to go to the library which I love, you know, it's just a tiny little thing. It's so intelligently written and it, mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be completely full of all these, you know, monologues or anything like that. So the next character that we meet, which is, of course, Cordelia. Mm -hmm. um, so they're in class learning about the plague of all things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, she initially comes across... Uh, very nice, very helpful. You know, you think this is going to be the person that becomes Buffy's first friend, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and the library comes up again because she offers to show Buffy where the library is. So you get the sense that this library is going to be a very important location for the next few years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they would be right. You know, it's, it's the it is the centre of what becomes their their little gang but you know as you said it's it's just little little droplets um and within 10 minutes we've already heard that the library is you know buffy's heading there um if if you're sharp at it you know you know that xander's heading there as well and uh, and of course we get this amazing sort of cool <laughs> stat check that cordelia does with buffy i mean i i love when she's like oh we can skip the written. <laughs> you think it's a written test again in in, uh, in Cordelia's gang, but the first thing that she asks about is vampires or vamp nail polish, which I just <laughs> you know you just think so tongue in cheek of the of the writers. Um, so uh, and of course James Spader and mm. you know so but Buffy answers all of these in the affirmative she's she does a great job passes with flying colors and then we see willow again i think this works so so well um mm -hmm. because you start to get these layers then yeah you realize there's more to cordelia than you know the first impressions because we yeah. instantly see how she talks to willow versus how she's been talking to buffy up to now yes and I think because of that, you then also see that there's more to Willow mm -hmm. and more to Buffy yeah. as well. You know, so Buffy's facial expressions in this. Um, Says it all, yeah. When, yeah, it really does. You know, you can tell Buffy's really not overly comfortable with with Cordelia's attitude to, to someone that, I mean, Buffy doesn't know Willow. Yeah, I mean, you know, she even says, oh, you know, you can avoid them a lot easier. No, you're losers. Know. Yeah. Know your losers, and um, it's it's actually it's really horrible stuff that uh, I'm sure many of us have been on sort of the the receiving end of bullyish behaviour, and there's nothing else for it but to say that Cordelia is a bit of a bully. But um, 
it's one of those things where I say it's funny. It does. There are always funny moments and little one-liners that Cordelia, Buffy, Xander, all all of them say. Even mm-hmm. Willow. Willow has her little moments as well. But um, I think you really start to see the dynamic um, of where do you think, oh, Buffy's just one of those girls, you know, because of course she passes all the tests and what have you. But she's clearly not part of them. You know, she's she's matured enough where maybe we don't know at this point, but her her circumstances have maybe pushed her away from from those types of individuals. Mm-hmm. So uh, so you just get that little nod, which is I, I, I quite I really think it's a it's such a nice scene. You know, Willow, Alison Hannigan, so, so, so good. She's so subtle with the the character as well because there's very little said in that scene Mm. um but um but it's so important yeah and you just get the sense that this is how she's used to being spoken to by people like cordelia and she almost doesn't question it yeah i mean the impression i got is that i don't think willow actually lets it get to her too much but um i don't know I, i mean it's again i think buffy's more upset than willow is by that which yeah. uh, I think again it just shows Buffy's character and then of course we get a, a new location mentioned yes um, on the while they're on the way mm-hmm. to the the next location which is of course the library Cordelia invites Buffy to the one and only club that's worth going to and it's half a block from the good part of town <laughs> so <laughs> Um, and uh, it's called the bronze. Now I would have loved to have gone to the bronze. Yeah. All those bands. It would have been like the cavern club of. <laughs> oh, it of was, it was amazing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, we, we'll mention this when we get to the scene, but it just seemed to be an entire club for anyone and everyone yeah i mean i don't know how they got in at 16 years old but no i mean it um, just made me insanely jealous <laughs> thinking of my own school days why don't we have stuff like that here yeah that's it <laughs> so yeah because you know again i mean when i uh say when i was growing up when i was 15 16 which is of course the age that the the characters are meant to be we had things called roller discos <laughs> And, we didn't even uh, have those. We, it just wasn't cool enough where I grew up. No. Well, I had to go a long way. I had to go into a city to, to go into a roller disco. It was a revival, by the way, because roller discos were really popular in the 80s, yeah. which if anyone has seen Stranger Things, we will know that that's where the place to be was the roller disco or the arcade. But there was like a huge revival in like the late nineties, early early two thousands. But there was no bronze, no. unfortunately. <laughs> um, and then of course we have Buffy arriving at the library mm-hmm. and walking in, and it's gorgeous. I love this. It's place. amazing. I know that all the cast hate all the cast hated it. Yeah. But it, it looks amazing. They absolutely hated yeah. the set. It's an amazing set. I mean, the, the the set designers of Buffy were amazing. It's just a really nice place. I don't know why it's always empty. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not too sure what the cage is for. No. <laughs> but, you know, 
I, I know there's a few people would be happy to be locked away mm, in there. Yeah. Um, so, it's just uh, a few, <laughs> so, unfortunately, not living in Sunnydale. Yeah. Damn. No. <laughs> so. And we get off second fright, I suppose, with a person creeping up on Buffy, yeah. um, tapping her on the shoulder and startling her. And of course, it's um, it's Mr. Giles, the librarian. An absolute vision in Tweed. <laughs> <laughs> he was. I'm not too sure about the shirt. No. The stripy shirt and then the the other way striped tie. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this this guy is... See, now to me, he just looked like any other teacher. That's what my teachers look like. They didn't... Well... That's what they dressed like. They did not look like Rupert Giles because <laughs> I would still be at school if they did. Um, but um, but yeah, you may, you may be sensing like... a theme here, listeners. <laughs> and we did you, we did warn you. Yeah, you, this can go one of two ways. You can either go with it and just you know agree with everything we say, or just like oh, <laughs> they're off again. Giles, Giles, Giles. Yeah, it is the Giles Appreciation Podcast. Yeah which we've had to call previously on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Do you know, I think there's there's a healthy appreciation yes. out there. And I love seeing, you know, on particularly uh, sort of Facebook Buffy groups and things where you see so many people saying, oh, when I was growing up, it was all Spike. It was all Angel. Mm-hmm. And now it's, it's, it's all Giles. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of people are, you know, coming around to the idea. But... Um, but I have to say, I was always, I always had a bit of a crush on him. Yeah, but he he looks like your quintessential English teacher. Yeah. So I must say, I think this is probably one of the best costumes mm. from this particular episode, anyway. But I mean, he he doesn't bless him. He doesn't actually change much of his costume throughout <laughs> throughout the season. But as a British girl watching this. It was just so, I was like, oh, okay, someone I understand. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, someone from my world, yeah, I, I think they got him spot on, to be honest. Well, I think the costume got him spot on. And Yeah, um, and it would course- be so easy to resort to stereotypes, but, um, I mean, he himself has said over the years that the English characters were written very well. Yes. Considering it was Americans. Yeah, and there, there's a reason behind that. I don't know if you know this, but uh, Joss Whedon went to school in England. Mm. Uh, he actually yeah. went to boarding school in Winchester. So he would have been very, very familiar with the English school system. And I think you can really see that come out with the Giles character. Uh, mm. His mother, Joss Whedon's mother, was also a teacher. And I think the relationship that Giles has with, well, with Buffy, but also the Scoobies as a whole, you know, he, he treats them as peers and, you know, as, as equals. He obviously does, mm-hmm. you know, he's an authority figure to them. But I think, you know, if, if anyone's grown up and their, their friend's mum is a teacher or if their parents are a teacher, there's this, that divide where you know that actually teachers are humans as well and they're just grown ups and they're people and they've got, their own lives and their own history and and what have you. And of course, Buffy learns this, uh, which I think, you know, we've all been there as well, where we start to realise that that teachers and 
other authority figures have a backstory, have circumstances and upsets and happy happy moments of they their have own. homes to go to um, <laughs> at the end of the day yeah, you know and that's it they have homes family friends insecurities and all the rest of it and i think you can really see that even in this first episode you can really see that come through but yeah i mean the, the way that giles is written it's so so good you know it's so on point because i mean i, I don't know if you got this where you know you'd watch a, an American show, and then they would have, it's normally the bad guy of some form, is an Englishman, yeah. and you know on varying levels they're acted in either good or bad. But the writing of English characters is so off sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yeah, I think you know as you said, he he's so well written as an Englishman, and I think it really sort of gives Buffy, it, she finds her feet with him. Yeah. Very much so. You know, when everything else is really uncertain, she's not sure, it, does she fit in with Cordelia? Does she, or, but she doesn't because she doesn't really like what Cordelia's just done. She's joining a school that she's, she's not from the area. She doesn't really know anyone. The principal has said that it's okay, but not okay. <laughs> <laughs> so all of a sudden, you know, she, she's on the back foot you know, with her mum as well. Her mum's saying, be positive, but don't do anything bad. And Buffy can actually, she thinks, okay, I'm going to get a book. I'm just going <laughs> to just get my head down and all the rest of it. And then, of course, Giles does exactly the same thing. He sets her off on a different path um, by completely freaking her out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with this great big bloody book <laughs> with vampire <laughs> um, spelt... V-A-M-P-Y-R, you know, so therefore it is old. You don't spell vampire like that no. anymore. <laughs> so, but isn't Sarah Michelle Gellar brilliant here? Yeah, completely. She, she her face is literally, what, what the fuck? <laughs> She's like, I'm fucking out of here. Um, this is not the library for me. Uh, and she literally runs, she legs it. <laughs> So yeah, okay. we the audience don't know yet that you know the significance of who Giles is. Although you kind of get a hint there, but it's like in retrospect, it's like yeah, it would have been helpful if you'd kind of just explained that to her before you put yeah. that book down. For the <laughs> yeah. I know what you're he's, looking for. <laughs> yeah, he's like ah, oh, I think I have just the thing for you. <laughs> Bless her, she she legs it, and and then we we cut to another scene. You know, I love these scenes. Mm. But that's actually, I think we looked, didn't we? It was 11 minutes in. Yeah. So we've had 11 minutes and we've met basically the Scooby gang mm-hmm. and all the big players, all the main players, basically. And then it cuts to the next scene. It just progresses the storyline along very, very nicely. Because mm-hmm. um, we've seen that yeah. when Buffy walked into the library, she saw an article with a big ring around it about... Um, missing boys so that kind of makes you think hang on now this guy who was bitten at the very beginning there's something to it here and yeah, so they he's missing yeah <laughs> <laughs> so they follow it up um it's uh I, again i love the humor just how it, it always cuts through so you have uh more gossip about buffy in the hallway and um <laughs> a, a comment on how strange her name is supposedly it's so good isn't it uh yeah yeah she's like what kind of name is buffy 
And then this <laughs> other girl walks past and she, she says, hey, Aphrodisia. <laughs> and you just think, oh, dear. Um, but uh, but her, her other, fr- so Aphrodisia's friend, uh, who she's speaking to, her name is Aura. So it's even worse. Um, but you think, oh, my word. So, and of course, what is it? They, they sort of go, oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. She's like, oh, nay, nay. <laughs> Um, so it's just so, I mean, to me, I don't know about you, but I was like, oh, this is so American. There's lockers. And yeah. I want a locker room and, and all the rest of it. So, yeah, it's, uh, and of course, she opens her locker and this dead guy that we see from the first scene, he is dead. He's completely, utterly drained. He's mm. white and all horrible. And he falls onto Aura, who mm. screams like, She's never screamed before. That's a good scream. It's it's a great scream. Um, I mean, it's like I'm gonna make sure everybody hears this scream <laughs> yeah. and sees me looking around and flailing my arms around. It's it's some yeah. pretty good acting, I must say. It's probably <laughs> it's the first one where you just think, okay, I'm actually quite scared for her. She's clearly traumatized. So. I mean, it's not every day a boy falls out of your locker dead. But is it because? This becomes well in this school, yeah, yeah, because there is a bit of a. I think we might need to do another tally Mm. of how many people die if they go near that locker room, (laughs) or how many people are hidden in that locker room. And there's a lot of stuff that goes goes on in there. Safe to say, this guy is no longer missing. Yeah, he's found. Well, he's he's permanently missing. Yeah, (laughs) so he's he's definitely off the porch. And then we slip straight to another scene outside. It's lovely and sunny. Willow's sitting on the bench. It's lunch. We can tell she's got their little brown bag, which all the Americans have their food out of, which again is just not a a British thing. We used to have like lunch boxes. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Saying that though, Willow does have a lunch box in later seasons, which I absolutely adore. But Buffy comes over and starts the conversation that in the way that she would have wanted it to have started again things move forward they they get talking to each other and it's a really nice scene actually you get to see both of the characters it's as if they've known each other for a long time and Buffy immediately puts Willow at ease explains that you know she's not here to bully her or you know be friends with Cordelia if that means that she can't be friends with Willow, you know, that sort of thing. She she really sort of, she, she, I think she lays it down for Willow. And it's just a really nice interaction, I yeah. think. Mm-hmm. And it's going so, so well. And then, if I'm honest with you, I, I get really, now, it really winds me up. Jesse and Xander, they would just do my head in. Yeah. They just turn up and <laughs> interrupt this lovely scene where Willow completely geeks out. Willow would be in our little club because mm. she completely geeks out about Mr. Giles. He's really cool, apparently. And he's new. So we also learn that Mr. Giles is new. Buffy, her ears prick up to that. And she's like, mm, okay, he's a new guy as well. And so things are making sense to Buffy. Uh, Willow's explaining that he was a curator at some British museum. Or the. Or the British <laughs> Museum. <laughs> I'm not sure, she says. It never gets explained either. Mm. I think that's annoying. 
But yeah, I mean, she stops herself, bless her. She's like, oh, am I going on too much? And <laughs> Buffy's like, no, that's fine. Your passion is not a problem. <laughs> so, and then of course, it just gets interrupted by Xander and Jesse. They all meet for the first time. Xander does this weird monologue thing, mm. which is so well done. It puts him into, <laughs> into his character, but it's just like, oh, God, what are you doing? And Buffy's like, okay. <laughs> The first of many times. So, yeah. <laughs> Even Jesse's like, man, what are you doing? You know, you're just you're just bumbling along. <laughs> and then of course Cordelia turns up and we get this fantastic interaction between Cordelia and Jesse. We've already seen Cordelia with Willow, and then we see Cordelia with Xander. And Xander hates her, you can mm. tell. Jesse is absolutely just in love with. <laughs> with Cordelia I mean who wouldn't be I mean she's she's beautiful but she's just such a monster with when she wants to mm. be and uh, and then of course we find out Cordelia's reason for coming over is the extreme <laughs> dead guy <laughs> in the locker <laughs> so, because Jim has been cancelled and you won't be meeting coach Foster Buffy the woman with the hair the chest hair <laughs> <laughs> I love it. She's like that one, you know, <laughs> that coach. So because it's been cancelled because of this extreme dead guy. Oh, how inconvenient! And I know. And of course, Buffy panics. She just goes into uh, what would be slay mode. How did he die? Were there any marks? And Cordelia's like, oh, I don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> Morbid much? <laughs> I didn't ask. She says, my God, you know. Um, and that's, I think that is actually the start of Cordelia and Buffy's breakdown of friendship. It didn't last very no, long. No, no. <laughs> Shortest friendship ever. It really, really is. And I think you can really say, you can tell that they both rub each other up the wrong way. Whereas Willow just, she doesn't seem to be bothered by Cordelia. No at all she's just like oh yeah okay it's Cordelia and she's her and I'm me and I can see why Buffy really likes Willow they have a nice dynamic they do they do and you can see it immediately you know and I think they again they they wrote them both so so well and they had a you know a really good chemistry between them so there was I think this is probably an open secret now but there was another actress that played Willow originally in the pilot but it, she was cast with everyone else. They they really struggled casting Willow. And I can see why. She's a very strong character, isn't she? Yeah. She's, but very quiet as well. It's it, She's quite a an enigma. Mm -hmm. And yeah, they recast with Alison Hannigan. Because Alison Hannigan just played her with this sort of lovely air about her, you know, where she's... She just made everything quite cheerful. and Yeah, it's all in the delivery of the lines. You can't really imagine anybody else pulling that off the way she did. No. And the other, there's another tidbit as well. Um, so with Buffy, Willow and Cordelia, they decided, because it's the 90s, they decided that they wanted a blonde, a brunette and a redhead. Of course. <laughs> so um, so the, apparently the actresses discussed it amongst themselves on uh, who would be what. I'm sure there was discussions with the cast and the production designers and what have you. 
but it was essentially decided that Sarah Michelle Gellar, aka Buffy, would be the blonde. So there's there was that decision. So Buffy realizes that there's a dead guy in the locker room at the school on her first day. She goes and has a sneak peek, and we get the first hint of Buffy's strength, which hasn't been mentioned before. Well, it's not really mentioned then either. She just (laughs) completely rips this door off. And then she goes in. She knows exactly where to go, where to look. And this guy's just got this great big chunk missing out of his neck. Not very pleasant. No. And I think, again, Sarah Michelle Gellar's delivery and timing on this, but just these two words. And she's like, oh, great. (laughs) (laughs) Not again. Oh, Oh. no. Already? Um, You know, it's my first day. Please give me a break. Uh, So she's livid by this time. She's so annoyed. And, of course, it's Giles' fault. Yeah. (laughs) So she barges right back into that library. And what does she say? What's the sitch? <laughs> so, Which is alien to a, a very English librarian. Yeah. <laughs> and apparently it was alien to Sarah Michelle Gellar as well. So the, the way that Buffy was written as this California girl, Sarah Michelle Gellar, who is not from California, uh, she also didn't understand <laughs> half of what Buffy said. <laughs> So, which is actually quite a relief. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, Giles has no idea what she means. <laughs> He's like, sorry. <laughs> so she, you know, she pauses through. She's like, right, dead guy, yeah? Dead guy in the locker. He's like, yes, I know about this. Drops a bag and she just runs upstairs to confront Giles. And she's like, it's the weirdest thing. He's got two little. Little holes in his neck. All of his blood's been drained. Isn't that bizarre? (laughs) Aren't you just going, ooh? (laughs) And he responds not by going, ooh. (laughs) No. He just looks at it and he's like, I was afraid of this. (laughs) Buffy's just annoyed by this uh, massively. I love this scene. I think this is such Mm -hmm. a good scene. And um, it just sums her up. I think this is when she starts getting her sass. Mm-hmm. as well we've not seen it yet and I think this is where Buffy starts to find her feet you know you can tell that this is her thing and she's really good at her thing mm-hmm. and she's just been sort of treading water she was afraid of being behind in her classes and making friends she didn't think there was going to be vampires on campus and she doesn't care as she says and Giles sasses back, which is just amazing, uh, and says, well, why are you here then, if you don't care? And this, I just love this, uh, how so Michelle Gellar just delivers this line. It's so, so good to tell you that I don't care, which I don't, and now I've told you, so bye. <laughs> and she just goes to leave. And, uh, and then, of course, we get this brilliant way, this explanation of, what vampires in this world mean? How do they come about? We get Buffy essentially saying, no, he's dead. He won't rise, which Giles asks. And he says, are you sure? And she's like, there's a whole sucking thing. 
<laughs> well, <laughs> you know, mostly they're just going to kill you. And why am I still talking to you? She's like, I'm going. I'm just, I've had enough. I'm going. And then Giles starts with his, he's like, no, I've, what's happening here? It needs a slayer. It needs you. Um, it's not a coincidence that you're here and this is starting to happen. And I think this is a really good hint as well when she says, why can't you people just leave me alone? And it's, it sort of calls back to the film, but it also indicates that there's more of him. Yeah. More people like him. That's it for a long time, isn't it? They don't actually mention it, but we, of course, we do find mm -hmm. out that there are more people like Giles. And then we get the exposition. And he says, because you are the slayer. Into each generation, a slayer is born. One girl in all the world. And Buffy interrupts with the strength and skill to hunt the vampires to stop the spread of evil. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And it's so good. I mean, it's just a butting of heads, isn't it? Mm. It's just one world colliding with another. One attitude colliding with another. And I, I love this. I think it's such a good scene. And I, again, it, it just shows Buffy really coming into her own against who, by and large, really should be her authority figure. Mm -hmm. And I know so many people say, oh, Giles is Buffy's dad and Giles is, you know, Buffy's father figure and, and all the Scoobies and things. But mm -hmm. I, I personally, I've never seen it that way no. um, because Buffy just bosses him around yeah. from day one. She doesn't... <laughs> Deferred him, and there's just always this mutual respect. He, you know, he might think what she's doing is wrong, or she needs to do what he wants her to do. But he always respects her right to decide what she's going to do. Yeah, and it is yes, okay. You know, they're trying to find each other's path at the moment, and they've obviously got off on the wrong foot. He even says, you know, he, he just moves on. He's just like, well, what do you know about this town? And he's trying to find a level playing field with her. And of course, Buffy's like two hours on the freeway from Nyman Marcus. <laughs> you know, she, <laughs> was it Neiman Marcus? I don't know. That's another American thing. But yeah, you know, and then we get this Giles's first bit of exposition saying all the shit that you've heard about, all the vampires or werewolves, what is it? Incubi, succubi, <laughs> everything you've ever dreaded under your bed. It's all real. And then even then she's like, what, you like send away for the time life series? <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. But he doesn't sort of go, uh, excuse me. He's like, uh, actually, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's so sweet. Yeah. Um, it's like, it's so, so good. Just when things are getting a little heavy, it's like, oh, well, yeah, we have to deviate from this. And yeah. <laughs> just to confirm, yes, I did actually. <laughs> It's, I love it. I think it's such a, it, it's a great relationship mm -hmm. with the, well, obviously, as we know, he's her watcher, and obviously he explains that next. But, you know, just between the two of them, they are definitely a team. They're not necessarily, he's not her boss. And mm. and that's made, that's pretty clear from from the get-go. Yeah, and you, you can um, see them so. setting that relationship, that dynamic up and it just, it makes you want more of it. You're like, I want to see more of this. Yes. See where it goes. Yeah. Just, yeah. just Buffy just running circles around him. <laughs> <laughs> so there's also a little Easter egg in that scene where Buffy mentions the Time Life series. And he's like, yes, I did send away for it. <laughs> she's like, did you get the free phone? 
which of course back in the 90s, you know, it's mm. mobile phones didn't exist, you know. Well, they sort of did, but it was only for the Cordelia's of the world. <laughs> and and then he says, oh, the calendar, which we will learn later on, is an Easter egg. And then we find Buffy sassing even more. And she's like, I'm a vampire slayer and I'm retired. <laughs> retired at 16. I'm just, why don't you go? <laughs> I'm retired. I'm not doing this anymore. Why don't you go and kill them? And, uh, and he's like, well, I'm, I'm a watcher. I, you know, that's not what I do. And she, again, she's just, oh, you know, bit of holy water, <laughs> bit of sunlight. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy. <laughs> so, and uh, again, she just constantly runs circles around it. it. There's no way that he was her authority. And this is no. what I don't get. You know, everyone's like, oh. He was such a dad. It's like, no, he was completely, utterly owned by Buffy. (laughs) (laughs) From the off, she had him wrapped around her little finger. And, uh, you know, he's like, no, a slayer slays and a a watcher. She's like, watchers? (laughs) (laughs) That's the word. (laughs) It's just so, I mean, if you behave like that to a teacher or even just a normal adult, they'd be like, "Uh, excuse me, (laughs) watch your mouth. He's completely outdone by her. And then, of course, she has this complete turn of tone. You know, she gets rid of all the sass and she gets deadly serious. You know, she's like, what are you going to prepare me for? You know, this is my life. It's completely changed around. I'm fighting for my life and I can't tell anyone because it's going to put them in danger. You know, go ahead, prepare me. And she's just like, you cannot prepare me. Look at you. But he doesn't give up. And he runs after her. And as he runs after her, Xander walks out because, of course, he went to the library for his math book. And overheard the whole thing. The entire thing. So he's like, what? (laughs) Again, watching it, I never noticed this when I was first watching it. But watching it since, I'm like, oh, Giles. Yeah. Breaking the... uh... (laughs) personal space line mm. a lot <laughs> so, and like it's in the school hall it's like, yeah if a teacher did that to you now well I think even if a teacher did that to you then other students would be like yeah and knowing as well that there was actually a I can't remember exactly what the measurement was but they had to keep their distance from each other. Yes. So that, you know, so as not to alarm the, uh, the suits <laughs> at the network. Yeah, they basically said, oh, there's too too much tension there, guys. <laughs> but uh, I think it was six inches. Six but, inches, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Giles is literally like stopping Buffy from leaving. I mean... <laughs> It, it gets the point through. And I think that's the other thing as well. It, it really does show that, you know, he sees her as, as a person, as an equal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was the that was the idea. It wasn't meant to, like, be in any way, you know, inappropriate or anything. But, but I think that's the other thing as well, because I think that's a very American thing. Yeah. And I'm not saying that, you know, that the we Brits are sort of like, hey, yeah, just, you know... <laughs> Just Get in there. Get, up in the Get in there. <laughs> there was at the time Graham Norton, who was a chat show host, and he had. Mm. Have you seen this where Anthony Head goes on? 
Yes. <laughs> it's I have. just and I think for me, that is exactly what we Brits saw Buffy as. <laughs> Ray Norton in a wig. <laughs> well oh I'm Puffy, the vampire layer. <laughs> but yeah, I mean he is very, you know, he's a bit forceful. So um but we'll forgive him that. He's getting upset about all the undead and <laughs> all the supernatural shit that's happening. Getting very um, flustered. Very flustered. He is. Something's coming. Something, something, something is, is going to happen here soon. And Buffy's another line, <laughs> one of my favourite ones. I actually say this on a regular basis. Gee, can you bake that up for me? <laughs> it's just, <laughs> it's brilliant. And at this point, Giles now knows Buffy speak. And uh, he goes through, there's the signs, there's a mystical upheaval, and it's going to happen soon. So, you know, again, it's setting the scene. It's going to be happening. Shit's going down, and it's in Sunnydale. Buffy just jinxes it by just saying, Oh, come on. This is Sunnydale. How bad and evil can there be here? Next time on Previously on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Your thoughts on this guy? Actually, this guy is pretty creepy in his own way. And then Buffy's conversation with Willow is just cut short. And to be fair, it's not that odd because, you know, she's walked past about 20 middle-aged guys already. Yeah, so what's another <laughs> so one? What's another Looking one? awkwardly around. <laughs> Giles just turns full-blown <laughs> British here. This is my idea of a party. <laughs> <laughs> and he'd much rather be at home with a cup of Bovril and a good book. I know. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Previously on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You can follow us on X, Instagram or TikTok. Just search Previously on Buffy. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your favourite podcast directory so you never miss an episode.